Welcome to the Color Timer podcast. I am your host, Vincent Taylor. This is the podcast where we speak to professionals who work with color. Today, we are absolutely doing that. We're speaking to Mr. Eric White, a colorist for film and television, directly associated with Mr. David Fincher, uh, of whom I'm a huge fan. Uh, I can't wait to chat to Eric about uh, projects such as Mank. Uh, we haven't really talked about black and white much in the show yet, so I really want to do that. Uh, and also get under the hood if we've got time uh, in, into the world of Mindhunter, which is an amazing series and colourful. Ah, I want to jump into that. Don't forget, we're going to use our colour timer, our 15-minute sand timer, uh, just to keep the conversation focused. But um, let's go. Take your seats because the hourglass is about to turn. We are entering the world of the micro podcast. Explore the craft, creativity, and science of professionals who use color to tell stories. Welcome to The Color Timer with Vincent Taylor. Eric, welcome. Uh, Thank you, Vincent. It's nice to be here. Um, uh, I'm very excited to talk to you. A little bit uh, nervous because I'm a big fan. No, not possible. Oh, oh, calm, <laughs> just breathe, just breathe. Uh, I've uh, uh, nine times out of ten, I forget to start my sand timer, so I'm going to be a good boy. Here's okay. sand timer. So we're going to kick it off. So it's like it's like a game show, you know, like under pressure. Um, I, okay, I've got a great warm up question for mm-hmm. you. Are you ready? Your Desert Island film or TV series. Oh, yes. You're stuck on a desert. And, and I know I know. there's no electricity on the Desert Island, but let's just From pretend. a standpoint of color or just enjoyment? No, no, just enjoyment. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, I, the, the easy sort of film that I would say is one of my favorites is Blade Runner, the, the original one. Um, what got me into, into film and cinematography to begin with was just when I was a student was like films like Fellini's Satyricon or The Conformist or whatnot, oh, you know, yeah. just things that look yeah. good. Yeah, well, you, you, you'll you have to watch it at night on the desert island because it'll, it'll be too bright, I guess, <laughs> exactly. with all the sand. Um, all right, all right, let's, let's uh, I, I should stop mucking around because we haven't got much time. Um, now, when I was researching, uh, your name, it, it's always associated with David Fincher. Of course. And, um, and I know this is a maybe diplomatic but does that ever get frustrating no um not at all uh, i i work he keeps me busy you know so uh, but to be perfectly honest since i arrived in hollywood i've only been working for david fincher i mean I've, uh yeah color wise i've only worked for for david yeah and and you spent uh you spent a whole heap of years like 15 years or so working in paris with Correct. filmmakers and photographers yeah uh Tell me about that. What was that like? And then how does that inform your role now as a colorist? Well, I worked in the fashion photography world uh, starting in around 2000. And um, it was all about uh, still capturing of stills. And I was sort of a Photoshop guru and a printing guru over Ah. there. Um, And so I was working for this digital company that kind of evangelized digital capture to still photographers who were used to working in traditional film and the idea was to to sell them 
on this whole new process uh, using uh, film emulation LUTs. And um, a lot of them had their own universes and styles. Um, so we would create custom LUTs for them to so that their universe could sort of exist, you know, live on, on a screen while they're shooting, you know, their medium format uh, stills and whatnot. And, and I would say that that was my very big introduction to photography. Um, and it uh and and it's all it's a really fascinating world with amazing talents and uh it's pretty high end <laughs> yeah 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 um i i feel like it's it, it's like one of those talk shows where you get a you get a um a listener to call in because i was chatting to a director friend of mine yesterday and i and i mentioned that i'm speaking to you and he goes oh can you ask him this question okay. so this is for this is for my friend what did he say um all right how do you guide a first-time director into giving you actionable feedback, especially if they haven't developed a visual vocabulary? Oh. That was his question. Oh, uh, I mean, that's part of the, you know, you're, you're, you're providing a service to somebody, and when you're working with artists, you know, um, it, there's such a whole spectrum of, of people. As, as It's as wide a spectrum as there are people, you know. Mm. Um, some people aren't clear up front they have this process that it takes you a while to figure out um others are extremely clear up front they give you references um that's always great others aren't clear necessarily up front but when they sit in front of us when they when you put something in front of them and david fincher is one of these kind of people um, he's extremely verbose and clear about what you need to do to that image to make it look like he wants it, you know. And in that sense, it's easy to just follow his direction sometimes. When you begin working on a project, a bit film or television, what stage do you get involved? Um, well, with Fincher, uh, I get involved very, very early because uh, I, one thing, I'm usually hired by the... the um, I'm not part of a, a facility. I'm a freelancer. So I am essentially hired by uh, the film itself, like any other crew member. Um, and so I'm on from the start working with the DP um, in terms of in finding out what, you know, what the project's all about, what they want. Do they need show LUTs? Do, you know, what kind of camera they're going to shoot with? And th th uh, they do camera testing a lot of times. And, the, and it goes through my base light. And they say they want me to throw things up right from the start. Um, you know, if, if obviously if I have time. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the time thing. Yeah. Um, in, in regards to, to working with Mr. Fincher, I mean, have you noticed, uh, over the period of time you've worked with him that there's been a, a change in aesthetic or is that not relevant because it depends on the project? Um, I wouldn't say there's been a change in, in his aesthetic since I've known him with, uh, so since I've been working for him for so that's about eight years, mm -hmm. um, we had one project that was more well two actually that were more outliers than others. But no, every project is different. I have to say, um, but I would say over 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 time because I'm remastering some of his old uh, uh, classics right now. Like I remastered uh, uh, the Social Network. I'm in the process of remastering Panic Room. And I'm also just starting on seven. Um, and um, I would say that he's much more interested in what he calls the suppleness of, uh, of, of sort of an Ansel Adams type of zone range. He's really interested in, 
seeing details in all ranges of the spectrum. You know, Seven, uh, for example, was very, very crushed in terms of the final look, not in terms of the cinematography. The, the, the original negative has lots of detail, mostly, um, but the final look that was applied to it was it was very chiaroscuro, you know, it was very, very, very moody and um, contrasty. And I, I would say David's look and aesthetic since then has, has, has moved into something more um, um, where I, I would say he uses the word suppleness. To, uh, and I would just say that he's really into detail. Um, mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I've, when you mentioned Seven, I've just got this wonderful memory of going to see that film with my dad uh-huh. and driving home in the car, and we're both just kind of like, <laughs> nothing, just silences. Yeah. <laughs> it's an intense one. Um, I'm, now, I'm, I'm, I'm such a massive fan of black and white, and so I really want to talk to you about Mank and mm. uh, your, your process of that. Um, where do I start? I, I guess the first question is, was that always going to be a black and white film yes yeah, yeah because uh it was always you know about the the creators of citizen kane um mm. uh and it was very much talk about replicating 40s you know the feel of the cinematic look of black and white from the time you know it's like let's make this look like it was shot back then so of course the end result is is obviously uh you know widescreen and not you know, four by four by three or whatever, um, but ever, all these other elements went into degrading. Well, we call it degrading, but aestheticizing the image uh, to look historical. You know, like vintagey. Yeah. Yeah, which it yeah. absolutely does. I mean, I've, I've I've watched it three times now, I think, and every time I go, oh, look what they did in that. Go-, you know, so uh-huh. I, I mean, where did you start? Did you start just by kind of st- studying older films? I mean, I know that seems like an obvious question, but where the heck did you start with that? Um, well, we started with testing cameras, and we, there was a question of whether they wanted to shoot with color cameras or a monochromatic red um, that doesn't capture uh, color, just captures straight black and white, and that, and that was the latter was the, was the choice. And so mm. it's like, wow, this is going to be fun. No color keys uh, whatsoever, no cheating underneath the... You know, of course. Um, and so it's all Luma keys, and um, that's uh, that's a, quite a task, you know, when you're used to somebody being able to tell you, see that tree back there. I want it, you know, more more uh, ominous or whatever, and, and you can't select the color green, you know. Uh, you got to find other ways. Um, so, uh, but as far as the look of the film, David. Uh, and Eric Messerschmidt, they, they they really had clear ideas of all the different elements that make for a historical look. You know, things like um, um, uh, softer lenses on the side and gate weave and really heavy optical grain and this kind of, especially this kind of blooming uh, thing that used yeah, to happen oh, on yeah. certain film stocks. Um, yeah. And so we... we we bloom the blacks uh, aesthetically and even sometimes keyframing them depending on the shot and even bloom blooming the, the, the highlights as well on, on um, Amanda Seyfried sometimes to give that Gaussian kind of look. Um, and the, the, his um, marching orders were usually using the word um, silvery. 
and I, and I think that goes back to what I was saying about an Ansel Adams kind of tonal range is that yeah. uh, the silvers are in the middle, you know, of the spectrum, and so he wants to pl- he wants all the different, you know, from A to Z in terms of those zones to be in conversation with each other. Yeah, yeah. Do you? I mean, how much? I guess it varies on the project, but but how much time do you prep time do you get for a project? Well, with David, I mean, they they. Like I said, I don't work for a facility, so I'm hired by the films. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, the only the only reason I'm not working from day one until it's actually delivered is because I'm I usually have several projects I'm working on. Um, but otherwise, David's happy with with being able to come down the hall and say, "Throw this up on the baselight. I want to see this scene." And um, let's work on it together. And then, you know, he'll spend uh, 20 minutes and then he'll walk away and I'll keep working and he'll pop in anytime, you know. And he just loves it. He loves post-production more than anything. Yeah. yeah. Do you, outside the world of a colorist, I mean, what is your, what keeps your heart going? What's your inspiration? Um, you mean like art? Uh, art or, yeah, yeah. just expression. Um um, I like storytelling a lot. I like uh, all forms of expression from poetry, um, lines on a page to, uh, I love going to the, uh, any museum either of contemporary art, not, not so much contemporary, but, uh, painters and, and photographers. And I mean, I do mind a little conceptual, uh, I, I don't mind a little conceptual art, especially if it's funny. Um, but, <laughs> um, and I don't know that, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, whatever, uh, ri- even reading books, I gotten back into reading books lately and, yeah. um, the sky's the limit in music. I'm a, I'm a horrible, uh, music nerd. And, uh, um, and I've, I've just loved music my whole life. You know, do you play? I do not play. I I've, I've dabbled, uh, but, yeah. uh, I mean, I've dabbled in drums and in guitar and keyboard, uh, synthesizer things, but, I've always been kind of a DJ uh, and one of those kind of, you know, I love playing the game of like, you know, hey, let's hey, <laughs> name, name 10 songs that have the word yellow in it. Go, you know, and uh, wow. you know, that kind of silly thing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have a different approach for um, uh, like television versus cinema? Well, yeah, no, because... You know, like I said, I've only really worked for for Fincher in terms of a colorist in narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I did tons of fashion work in in, in coloring and in, in, back in Paris, but here I've only worked for Fincher in any. So him, it's like any TV show needs to look like a a film, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but I have worked on documentaries with him and also on animation, and um, yeah, I mean, sometimes the genre itself, you know really does dictate because you, if you're doing a you know a documentary that has fa- uh, historical films in it or whatnot you can't just go and grade those films again you know um uh you know i've done that those kind of things with him but i've also done animation and um, um yeah uh yeah, I, I had no idea he'd done animation I, I i didn't realize that he did an episode of love death and robots season oh, two, two or three yeah, and I yeah, graded okay. that. Yeah, um, what's that like grading animation? I mean, how I, I've I've only done it once about ten years ago. So, uh, 
what's it like? Well, with fin- well, it's surprisingly similar. I mean, the great thing is that you have all the alpha channels you you want because it comes from you know, 3D, and so they get they usually give you the hero you know uh, as an alpha and and automatically you know what I mean so mm-hmm. that you can dial him or her or they in correctly, yeah. um, you know things like that. But other than that, yeah. it's it's just as you know, with Fincher, it's just as demanding as any other genre, because <laughs> he's very, um, very particular about what he likes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there is there a genre that you haven't been involved with that you you would like to work on? Uh, I don't know. I'd love to. I'd love to do a high dynamic range um, documentary on volcanoes, because <laughs> the imagery is just unbelievable. You know. Wow, that's so specific. That's uh... <laughs> no, but, but like uh, I don't know if you've seen this documentary that came out called uh, the Love, um, yeah, uh, Love Couple yeah. or something like that. Um, but I already thought that before because I'm a big Werner Herzog fan, and I was thinking because I saw one documentary he did about volcanoes, and I was like, damn, if I run him into him in the supermarket, I'm saying, Werner, I wanna, I wanna grade your next volcano movie because uh, <laughs> it's just like a fascinating thing. <laughs> That's that would be my ticket to work for Werner Herzog. <laughs> That's fantastic. If he's listening. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll g- give him a call. Um, uh, that's it. My timer ran out. We're done. Um, uh, it goes so fast. And I've still got so many other questions. But um, Eric, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out. It's not a problem at all, Vincent. It was my pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much, Eric, for having a chat. Uh, that was cool. Uh, you, the listener... Uh, I was a bit nervous, right? <laughs> yeah, it's hard, you know, when there's somebody you really respect and you look up to, uh, like I've been watching Eric's work for years, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to do that, to kind of control those nerves, but I did my best. Uh, thank you so much to MixingLight.com, uh, who, they're my executive producer and, and putting the show on, uh, and also to my friend of the show, Filmlight and my producer Kayla Uh, and look thanks for listening Uh, like subscribe do all that kind of stuff it does help it does make a difference I appreciate it Um, alright see you soon The Color Timer a micro podcast experience Mm -hmm.